Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Open your Bibles to the 27th Psalm. We will continue our subject, Overcoming Adversity and Trouble. Overcoming Adversity and Trouble. We'll begin reading with verse 1, and we'll read right on through verse 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me, Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Now, our Father, we give you thanks for your word. We approach it reverently. We approach it humbly. I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that he will draw from within my very being the wisdom and the light and the love of your word, of your counsel, of your very person. And as it goes forth, Father, I thank you that each ear is attentive and anointed to hear, and each heart is receptive and will receive that which is spoken, that will cause the truth to come into their inward being, that they may be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're, we're still on number six. I'm not going to reiterate. I'm just going to continue. We are on step number six, or the sixth thing you should know when confronted with adversity or trouble. The sixth thing was found in verse six, and we'll also introduce step number seven. So let's take a look at verse six again. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, therefore. Now, wherever you find a therefore in the Bible, always find out what it's there for. Amen? You've got to do that. Because, you see, these are a, a series or a sequence of steps that the believer should know and be able to act upon and do. You know, the Bible never told us just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word, not hearers of the Word only. 
People go week after week, service after service, and hear the Word, and hear the Word, and hear the Word, and hear the Word. But when they get off in the areas of trouble, they don't know what to do. They need help. Well, if you follow these steps, build them into your inward being, your inward man, the hidden man of the heart. Let them become a reality to you. Then in the time of trouble, you'd know what to do. You'd know how to act and react. And let the Lord be your pavilion. Let Him be your refuge. Amen? So... The sixth step we said was found here. My head shall be lifted up or to have a right mental attitude. A right mental attitude in the time of trouble. And we'll introduce to you step number seven and we'll continue to finishing number six first and then we'll continue on to number seven. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Therefore, because my head's lifted up now above my enemies, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. How many of you know that this is the tabernacle? This is the temple of the Holy Ghost, temple of the living God. Amen. Now, notice he said, therefore. Therefore means, therefore, because of the fact that now my head's lifted up. Now, see, we said that trouble, adversity, suffering, tribulation, all these things present to us an attitude of oppression. When all these things come around us, fear, anxiety, financial burdens, sickness, disease, one seems to have his head hung low. His mental attitude is wrong. His mind is not stayed upon the Lord or His Word, but his mind is stayed upon the circumstances that surround him. Consequently, he's depressed or oppressed. Oppression sets in. And you see, he doesn't know how to climb out of that and get out from under that. There's a spirit of heaviness involved. And he doesn't know how to get from underneath that to get back into contact with the Father. Well, we've got to realize that there were five steps before the sixth step. So he's saying because of all these first five steps, and just very quickly I'll run through them. He said, first of all, Jehovah is my light. He's my salvation. Step number one was light. Number two, salvation. Number three, strength. Number four, my heart will not fear. My heart will not fear. Number five, I will be confident. Confidence. See these five things. And now, because I've meditated these five things, now my head will be lifted up above my enemies. Now, notice the enemies are still there around him. But his head is lifted up above him. See, his attitude, his mental attitude is right. He's starting to think right now. So he lifts up his head. Over there in the third psalm, remember he said, when trouble surrounds you and increases around you, and people say there is no help for you in God, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. That's what he's saying. He's your shield. He's the glory. He's the lifter of your head in the time of uh, trouble and in the time of adversity. And so now that my head is lifted up, he says, I will offer the sacrifice of joy. And mark this down. That word joy there actually means shouting. I will offer the sacrifices of shouting. I like that, don't you? Shout, shout. Actually, I'm going to give you the, 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 very, Hebrew, or the very Hebrew translation of that. Battle cry. High sounding joy. Rejoicing or praise as your battle cry. Did you get that? Your battle cry. 
I mean to tell you, sometimes you could be in the midst of trouble and in the midst of adversity and your head could be hung low and it seems like everything's, you know, you're ready to give up. You're ready to, you know, just roll over and just give in to the en- enemy, the adversary. And somebody calls you on the phone and says, brother, sister, did you know that Jesus loves you? He said, yeah, but thanks for calling me. Did you know he wants to bless you? Yeah. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And did you know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you? Yeah. Praise God. And before you know it, your head's lifted up in the air. And before you know it, because somebody in, in the body called and ministered to you, it seems like something on the inside begins to rise up. It seems like there's a joy that begins to bubble inside your spirit because they're ministering to you the Word. And even though nothing's changed, and even though all the trouble's around you, and even though all the circumstances are still the same, something on the inside begins to rise up from within. And you get so excited on the inside that you begin to shout. A battle cry comes out from your inward man. Singing praises unto God. Yeah, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me hear some more. And they tell you more. And you begin to shout. And you begin to glorify God. Circumstances never changed yet. But blessed be God, you, something on the inside tells you you've got the victory. You say, I don't know. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem like it's possible. But I know on the inside. I know on the inside. Blessed be God. Something on the inside. I'm just excited. I'm just, it's, it's what he said. Peter said, a joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll come off in other tongues. If you're not, you might just, you know, sound off in your own language. And if you don't look out, you might get filled with the Holy Ghost on the way. <laughs> Amen? That's right. But you see, uh, what he's actually saying here, the circumstances haven't changed. The enemy's still there, but his head was lifted up. Higher. Above all the adversity. Above all the trouble. Well, you mark this down. To have a right mental attitude in the time of trouble, adversity, or suffering, to have a right mental attitude in the time of trouble, adversity, or suffering, or tribulation, whichever you want to write there, anything is fine. One must know certain things. One must know certain things. First of all, he must know who the Father is to him or to you. You must know who the Father is to you and what he'll do for you. You must know that. Now, we covered this. I'm just going to give you the steps, but I'll I'll pick it up here in a little bit. Secondly, you must know who you are to the Father and what you should do. First of all, who the Father is to you and what he'll do for you. Now, if you, if you were not here with us, he said in the time of trouble, I'll be to you a refuge. And to sum up all of what the Father will do for you in trouble, he said in the 91st Psalm that I will be with you in trouble and deliver you. Now, friends, if, the, if you're not being delivered when you're in the midst of trouble, something's wrong. And you need to follow up and find out where we've missed it. Because the Father doesn't tell you in one breath, I will be with you in trouble and deliver you. We saw in the 27th Psalm, verse 5, he says, I'll hide you in my pavilion in the time of trouble. We saw in the 46th Psalm, verse 1, he'll be your strength and refuge in the time of trouble. Right? 
a very present help in the time of trouble. And we can go on and on and on. But this is what the Father said He is to you and will be for you in the time of trouble. So to have a right mental attitude in the time of trouble, we've got to know that the Father's on our side. When trouble comes, the Father has not forsaken you. The Father is on your side. Glory to God. If God be for you, who could be against you? Amen? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you under the ends of the earth or of the age. Just knowing that will start to lift up your head. Then, who you are to the Father. And what you should do. In other words, when, when you start to get into God's Word and fill up your spirit with it and so your mind can be renewed to this fact, I am accepted in the Beloved. I am under the Father's care. I'm a new creation. I am His workmanship created in Christ. I am complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. I'm a son of the living God or a daughter of the living God. I am who God said I am. I am spotless, holy, unblameable, unreprovable. That's all Scripture. I give you all the Scriptures if you want before Him. And Jude said, faultless before His glory. And you sit back and say, who, me? Yeah, that's who you are. You are His very child. See? That starts to give you right mental attitude. But now here's the third thing I want you to grab hold of, which I'll probably spend more time on this evening. You must know the cause or the reason for the trouble. The cause or the reason for the trouble. This is a very important step. We'll spend some time on it. Also, you must know the adversary. That's number four. You must know the adversary. And let's take one more thing we'll say that I, I believe it's important. You must know where natural man fits in. Natural man. You must know where natural man fits in. Do you know whether they be unsaved? Let's say the natural man that's unsaved or the, or the born-again Christian that's saved. Man. In a sense that you know some of your trouble could come from within the body. How many of you know that? I said, how many do you know that your trouble could come from within the body? You know you can get sidetracked by the believer? Do you know that? You know the devil's uncouth? He is. Did you know that he don't care who he uses to get somebody destroy, destroyed, to pull somebody down? I mean that. I mean, stop and think about it. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art... Didn't he say that? Didn't he say that to Peter? Wasn't talking to Peter. But Peter, you'll do the devil. Isn't that right? Somebody come along and say something to you that might be out of line of God's word and un unknowingly cause you to make the wrong move. Got you off into trouble. I've heard people listen to teachers on the radio claiming to be born again Christians. They listen to what their advice is on the radio and they got themselves into trouble because they listened to the wrong thing. I know a lot of people that have been kept from the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues because they listened to the wrong people on the radio. Amen. 
How many of you know that? Amen. So, you've got to know what man's place is in, in life. Let's go back and, uh, first of all, let's turn in our Bibles to the first epistle of John and the third chapter. Now, I remember in my young experience in the Lord, my wife and I both, that uh, when we were young and, and learning and, and, and wanting to know the truth about God's Word and plan for our lives, we've discussed certain things with, with certain individuals. One was a minister. And we were newly saved and just uh, filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But he didn't know this. And I didn't know that he was against it. But we went to him and said, uh, you know, we'd like to know what you feel about speaking with other tongues. And uh, now this is, a, this is a born again Christian. I don't deny that. But this is a fellow who's teaching the congregation. Supposed to be teaching them the word, the truth. And I believe he's serious and sincere in his heart. But, you know, we can be right in our hearts and wrong in our heads. Did you know that? You can be right in your heart and wrong in your head. And he just didn't know. He said, well, as far as I'm concerned, tongues has gone out with the apostles. And tongues are not for us today. And he went on to say that over there in Mark 16, when uh, Jesus said that they shall speak with new tongues, he was just talking about that you wouldn't use foul language any longer. I mean, you know, if they're going to have a, a reason that you shouldn't speak in other tongues, can't they get better than that? A little bit better than that? You know what I mean? You know, in other words, you got saved. You used to use foul language before you got saved. But now that you've been saved, you're not using that foul language any longer. See, you've got a new tongue. And, and, and that was the extent of what Jesus meant speaking in other tongues was that you wouldn't use foul language any longer. Now, that may sound funny because I didn't fall for it, but how many that did fall for it? And then people today, a lot of them be in trouble. Amen. Because they don't have the benefit of the Holy Ghost in feeling and leading them to a life of prayer in the Spirit that, that the Father can help them in a supernatural way. Amen. So, you see, trouble can come from every area. And understanding it Stripping down the enemy, finding out where all these things are coming from, learning how to deal with them through the Word will bring to us victory. That's why Jehovah is our light. Now, in 1 John, the third chapter, verse 23, before I go on to the cause or the reason of your trouble, I want to show you something about the believer and what the believer should know and do in order to stand against all adversity and trouble. In verse 23... And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son. Underline this in your Bible. And love one another. Now notice this is the commandment. The secret of dwelling in His pavilion. The secret of allowing the Father God to be to us our protector in the time of trouble. The secret, you see of being cared for by the Father is to keep His commandments. 
Notice in the 91st Psalm, he said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you abide in me, and abiding in him involves these two commandments, believing on the name of Jesus. How many believe on the name of Jesus? And loving one another. My friends, brothers and sisters, let me say this to you now. If you have not made the quality decision to walk in the very love of God, you will get yourself into a whole lot of trouble and may not be able to get out from underneath it. You may even die young. This is the commandment that you love one another. This is a love that has no compromise to it. This is unconditional love. It gives, it does not receive. And the born-again but spirit-filled believer that has made the quality decision to walk in the love of God will be the cared-for one. He'll be the one that's cared for by the Father, the protected one. He'll be the one that will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Because he said, He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in me, and I in him, or dwelleth in God and God dwells in him. Amen? So, keep that thought in mind. And let's go back to the 27th Psalm. Now, I want to show you that there are many different causes and can be many different causes for trouble and adversity. First of all, and I think you should take note of these, number one, disobedience of any form. Disobedience of any form. And the reason why I stated it like that was because I'd have to go off into many different areas of disobedience. But I just want to say, not only disobedience in a sense that you are not living for the Lord, you have turned your back, let's say we call you a backslider. I like to say you're out of fellowship with God. That's going to cause you a lot of trouble. But also, there's disobedience to the Word that may come through just lack of knowledge. You know, the laws that pertain to, the, to life, really the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of faith does not change just because one did not know. Let me give you an example. The laws that apply to the use of electricity does not change because one did not know he'd get electrocuted if he touched it. When a little baby walks up to an outlet and sticks a butter knife in it, and you know what happens when they do that and gets their hand hurt. Just because that child did not know any better did not change the law of electricity. Isn't that right? It was in operation. It was working. It did not change because of ignorance. It continued to work. And it could work to destruction. But the law was not to be used for destruction. The law was to be used for benefit. It was to benefit the people of the household. To benefit you. To benefit me. Now the laws of God, the law of sowing and reaping, is a law that is to benefit you and I. The law should benefit the believer. If we would walk in the light of that law and obey that law, you'd get what you sow. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. He's going to reap. It's a law that's in motion, set in motion by the Father God. It's the law of Genesis. And it works. 
So disobedience to that law, even through ignorance or lack of knowledge or misunderstanding how it works, is not going to change the fact that if you get off in error or disobedience, you will reap trouble, calamity, sufferings of many different kinds. See, the law works regardless. So I say to you this. It's better that you and I would get in line with that law and learn how it works and start to operate in it. Whether or not we understand it fully or not, just get in there and start to know that it works and start doing it. And start applying it to our own lives. When I say you don't know, I'm talking about to the fullness of how it works. Regardless, you're led by the Spirit. You know the law of sowing and reaping is in the Bible. Whatsoever man soweth, the same shall he also reap. And you'll find out there's a lot of born-again believers that are, that are reaping troubles and calamities and sufferings needlessly just because they don't know how to operate in the laws that the Lord laid down for us in His Word. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of faith. And because of it, calamity, troubles, tribulations, all sorts of things. Also, there is another uh, cause or reason for trouble would be a direct attack from the adversary for the word's sake. A direct attack from the adversary for the word's sake. Now, he doesn't need any reason to attack anybody. As I said, he don't care. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He hates you. He can't stand you. You represent God, and as far as He's concerned, you're at war with Him. We bow not against flesh and blood, or wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rules of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Isn't that right? Your adversary, the devil. The devil is your adversary. He doesn't care about you, and I, I don't know about you, but I don't care about him. As far as I'm concerned, he's no friend of mine. Is he a friend of yours? Amen. He rebelled against the, the great Father God. And the Father and I, we're hooked up together. Amen? Amen? So, I'm not going to be afraid of him because we've got victory over him. Amen? So stand against him. Another reason, and this one we will touch, is partaking of Christ's sufferings. Partaking of Christ's sufferings. Now, you need to know this one. You need to know it. You need to understand it. Let's look back over here in the 27th Psalm. And let's read again verses 6 and 7. Let's add verse 7 this time. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy or shouting. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me. Now circle this. And answer me. Now I want you to note, and the reason why I keep pointing this out, I want you to note that as of yet, it doesn't seem like there's an answer. Does it? As of yet, he's still saying, hear me and answer me. The trouble's all around him. But when trouble came... The psalmist said, I need light, salvation or deliverance. I need strength. My heart can't fear. I must be confident. My head must be lifted up. And then I'll begin to shout. And when I do, O oh Lord, hear me and answer me. 
But I want to show you all these steps beforehand that he's actually going through before his deliverance actually comes. Now, let me say this. A right mental attitude involves renewing the renewing of the mind. In order for one to have a right mental attitude in a time of trouble or adversity, the mind must be renewed. Now, we said that the renewing of the mind does not come just by reading the Word. I think that's where a lot of people get deceived. They think just by listening to a tape or reading the Bible once in a while or hearing the preacher preach, their mind can be renewed. No. You see, that's not going to renew the mind. The mind must be renewed from the Spirit. The mind must be renewed from the Spirit. The Word must be meditated upon. And when the Word enters into the Spirit, the Spirit will take that inside your spirit, will take that Word, and then the Word will begin to rise up from the Spirit to the mind. And then when it gets from the Spirit, inside the Spirit, then the mind will come into harmony with it. That's called mind renewal. That's why most of us, in the time of trouble and adversity, we've got to sit back and meditate the Word for a while before we even pray. Now, you remember when we taught on... On prayer, we said that the first step you should do, you should take in, in answer to prayer, is get the Word, meditate the Word, get every scripture that promises you an answer, and meditate it, build it into your spirit. Now, when you do that, you see, then your mind will become renewed. When your mind becomes renewed, then you're standing good ground against the devil. Your head's lifted up. Let me give you an example of mind renewal. Now, you see, you're, you're having a problem in the area of finances. And, uh, of course, you, you have needs that need to be met. Well, out of the clear blue sky, a, a lot of things start to crop up in your life. And it seems like everything come in at once. And lo and behold, here you are, a person that's always paid all your bills. And you're at the verge of losing everything that you own. Well, I'm not going to say that this happens all the time. But these are cases and these things do happen. And some people, because they don't have a good enough understanding of how to live by faith and walk in prosperity, now and then will get themselves into those areas, those tight spots. And before you know it, you've got people feeding you all kind of information. One calls you on the phone and says, if I don't get my money in a certain period of time, that means it for you, buddy. Here you are, you're in the midst of trouble and you don't know which way to go. You know that the Father God supplies all your need. You know that. But the problem is, is getting it from Him to you. See, you're confronted with trouble. You're confronted with adversity. You don't know what to do. Your mind needs to be renewed. You need to take these first five steps. You need to go to the Word of God to get light. The entrance of thy Word giveth what? It gives light. You're going to need deliverance. Deliverance comes on the wings of angels and by the word system of God's word. Amen. You need strength in the time of trouble. The adversary will put pressure on you, beloved, to get you on your knees. To bow to him. To bow to the pressure. I'm not bound no no devil. I've been there. Have you been there? Have you been there on before? It looks like, boy, it looks like this, this heaviness is upon you. just wants to get you to bow down to it. And I'll tell you what, if Jehovah was not your strength, if Jesus was not infusing into you His inner strength, you just might fall. But blessed be God, you don't yield to it. Here's what you begin to do. You open up your Bible to that great passage of Scripture in Matthew, the 6th chapter, and you begin to speak it out. 
Yes, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. Don't even be concerned. Don't think about it. Take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. For your body. Nor for your life. What, what you're going to put on for your body. What you're going to wear, your clothing. Just begin to sit down in your easy chair and think about the birds that fly around your head. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather in the barns. But the Father says, I feed them. Yeah, Father. If you feed them, they don't have any concern. They don't have any cares. They don't have any worries. They're like little kids. Did you ever see a, a mom and a dad who's having financial burdens and difficulties and they're under the pressures of life? And it seems like there's just not enough money to go around. And the little kids run around saying, hey, mommy, buy me this. Hey, mommy, daddy, buy me that. They don't care. I mean, just, just, just not too long ago. Uh, we were driving down, down the street in the car. And uh, BJ said, uh, we was looking out, out the window, looking at some nice houses and commenting how nice these houses were. And BJ says, mommy, I'll buy you that house. She said, well, thank you, BJ. Said, yeah, I'll buy you two of them. <laughs> what to God we can have the faith of Well, I tell you what, we do and should have the faith of a child. Because we are children. Can you see that the Father wants us to be utterly dependent upon Him? Can you see what the right mental attitude like? Look at that attitude that child has. I, I shared with you just the other day. Jason came running off. I just said, come on, honey. And he came running from the bathroom door right across the hallway and took a dive off, of, off the steps. The flight of steps and dove into my arms without any sense of fear. I went the other day just to wash the car. And uh, first time since he's been running around, you know, he runs around real good now. <laughs> real good. First time since he's been running around, he gets out there on the sidewalk. And, you know, our, our sidewalk's lumpy. <laughs> A lot of cracks and ups and downs. And he's got his little, little, little tennis shoes on. And he gets out there and starts, I mean, he just runs, just starts taking off to the first crack, only from that far apart. One crack to the next crack and hits the hole and falls on his face. Pulls himself back up, picks up together and takes off again as fast as he can to the next crack. And he hits that crack and tumbles again. And he picks himself back. He, no fear. He didn't care what was under his foot. He's just running, man. I'm free. I got liberty. He's taking off. He's just running. Can you see that? And we're so concerned about all the pressures of life and all the circumstances and all that's around us. And I'm not saying that they're not there. But as long as they, the enemy that's around you, as the pressures that are around you, as they surmount and mount up round about you, and they have your undivided attention, then they will be mountains in your life. They will be giants in your life. But when you could sit back in your easy chair with all the giants and all the mountains and be like little Jason and me, Jay... And just run to the arms of your father and say, Hallelujah. Father, I'm jumping off the first step into the realm of the supernatural, right into your arms. When nothing is beneath me except your everlasting arms. You see all these bills? I take no care of them. You said, Be careful of enough for nothing. My God supplieth all my according to the riches and glory of Christ Jesus. Blessed be God, I believe you do it. I'm not telling you to do something that I wouldn't do. I'm not telling you to do something that we didn't do. And thank God that we did it, because if we didn't do it, we'd have fell. We'd have drowned. But I'm telling you something that I know works. I know it works. I didn't know how much back then as I know right now about it, but I know that it works. And I know it doesn't matter what the need might be. The Father is bigger and greater than any need that we'd have.
And He can make it work in your life if you'll follow these steps. If you'll trust Him. If you'll put your dependence upon Him. So the renewing of the mind comes as we begin to think about this great, wonderful Father. And if you really want to get your mind renewed, think about His love. Here's what you need to say to get your mind renewed. Father, you've imparted to me your nature. See, now you're saying who you are to Him. I have your nature. I believe it. I believe I have your nature. Father, you've imparted to me your faith. It's a gift. Father, you've imparted to me your love. It was shed abroad in my heart. I believe you're in me. I believe you're on my side. I believe you're with me. I believe you're for me. I believe you supply my every need. And so, Father, here I come. I thank you. I'm accepted in the Beloved. I'm yours and you're mine. I thank you for it. There's not a foe that could withstand the love of our Heavenly Father. The Bible says in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so you see, this great Heavenly Father loves you. You, as a person. Say that with me. The Father loves me. See, He loves me. You need to know that. You need to renew your mind to that. You sit back and think that the Father loves you, it'll do wonders for your faith. Oh, it will just boost up your faith. I mean to tell you like a booster shot. It'll just get your faith so high. It'll start to get your mind so renewed. But the Father loves me. And then you start to see you're, you're going to rise up above the enemy. Your mind, your thinking, your head will be lifted up as you begin to say all that the Father is to you. And begin to quote it out and say it and declare it to be so and declare it to be true. You see, realities come through confession. Now, people misuse confession. But if they use confession in its proper light, confession builds realities of God's Word. It makes it a, a reality in your life. Faith's confessions, in other words, builds realities into your spirit. As I confess who He is to me and who I am to Him, it builds a reality of that in this, inside my spirit. Sometimes you begin to walk, you know, just down the street and you'll be quoting the 91st Psalm. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's my Father. He's my refuge, my fortress. He's my God. I put my total trust and confidence in Him. The devil, the fowler, the enemy, he delivers me from them all the time. Why? Because I set my love on him, upon him. Even if a thousand came at my side, they'd fall. A ten thousand by my right hand, they'd fall also. It won't come nigh me because the angels have charge over me. They keep me in all my ways. Every which way I go, they keep me. Praise God. So you see, you're building this into your human spirit. As you build it into your spirit, your mind will become renewed to it. As your mind becomes renewed to it, your head will be lifted up above your enemy or up above the adversary. It'll get your thinking in the right direction. Now, that's not the end of it. That's not all of it. You see, that's not enough. Because he said over here, and I want you to see it again. Look at verse 6 again. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, 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 therefore will I offer the sacrifice of praise, of joy in the tabernacle. See, this is the tabernacle. This is the temple of the living God. Now, I've seen people that start to quote the Word 
and they quote the word only out of their head. And they've got a little bit of joy, for, if you want to call it joy, just for a split second or for a moment of time. But it's not long lasting. You mark this down right now. Mental assent is not the renewing of the mind. Mental assent is not the renewing of the mind. People have tried to believe God from their heads and not from their hearts. Mentally acknowledging all of what I said tonight is not the renewing of the mind. You said, I quote that chapter just like you did. So what? It doesn't work by quoting it. It doesn't work by reading it. It doesn't work by having it in your head. These things I'm telling you to do in the time of trouble, it's, it's one, of the, one of the greatest things you'll ever want to do. I mean you're going to be in the face of adversity. You're going to be in the face of calamity. You're going to be in the face of trouble. You're going to be tempted to go to the world. You're going to be tempted to go to man. You're going to be tempted to find another source of deliverance. Something you can see or feel or touch or hear. The doctors say she'll be all right. But you know the doctors don't always say that. Sometimes they say there's nothing we can do. Amen? What I'm saying to you is going to take diligence. It's going to take consecration and dedication. Joshua was told to meditate day and night in the Word to build this into his spirit. It's only when the Word is built into the human spirit that the mind will become renewed if we act upon the Word. You must act upon the Word. See, that joy that comes out of your spirit is in there because you've built the Word into your inward man to such an extent that it's a reality. And I know that 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 I'm delivered even before I see the deliverance. Man, you kick up your heels and you begin to shout. You know you got the money before it ever appears. You know it's in your hands before you ever see it. Amen. Amen. You know that before you ever see it. Now, people do that in the natural, but it seems like when they get to the supernatural, they don't know how to do it. Now, I, I, I had uh, many instances I can tell you that we've done it in the natural. Like uh, you go off and say to your kids that you'll buy them something. And they'll say to their friends, they'll run outside. Like Lisa say, Daddy, will you buy me that new dress or new pair of skates or that new this or new that or... B.J. likes chapstick. Oh, I'll tell you what. If, 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 you, say, if you say to B.J., I'm going to buy you a tube of chapstick, he'll just start jumping up now. He'll start shouting. And Lisa will run up the door and say, I got a new dress. B.J., I got chapstick. But there's not one sign of the, not, not one, not, not, not one sign of the evidence that he has it. Or she doesn't have one sign of the evidence that she has a dress. But she'll, I mean, she'll go tell her friends. She'll tell her about it. She'll start telling just right around the house. She'll tell, she'll tell whoever calls on the phone, whatever. She just starts shouting and, and just, she's so excited about it. Thank you, Daddy. Go. And just, just praising God. See? Where's the dress? Still at the store. Where's the chapstick? Still at the store. Why is he shouting? He knows he got it. How does he know he got it? He knows me. I said he knows me. No, you may fail, and an earthly father may fail, 
But beloved, your heavenly Father will not fail or forget to get your need met. You follow me? If that child has absolute trust in me or you as a father, how much more do I believe my father that cannot lie or fail? Can you see that? Amen. So you see, this comes out of the heart. Now let's go to First Peter, because I, I want you to keep these two thoughts in mind about the uh, adversity, about the trouble. He'll have his head lifted up and he says he'll shout for joy. And I want you to see something here. In um, First Peter, the fourth chapter, keep those two thoughts in mind. His head will be lifted up. In other words, he'll have a right mental attitude and he will shout for joy. Now, I want to show you something in connection with trouble and adversity and sufferings, trials and tribulations that you need to know to have a right mental attitude. And also to overcome. Look at verse 12. Underline the second word. Beloved, think, think, think. Now, we said that your source of adversity or trouble may be from the devil. It may be from disobedience. Or it may be from partaking of the sufferings of Christ. When you say that, people get off in the left field. But I want to share with you what, what I'm saying when I declare that. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. Think and rejoice. Think and rejoice. My head will be lifted up. If you think it's strange... Because of the fiery trial that's tried you. And if you listen to most people talk, believers, I just don't understand it. I just don't know what's going on. These strange things are happening to me. I'm a child of God. Why is this all happening? Think it not strange these things are happening to you. Why do you say not to think of it as being strange? Because if you're living in this world, Jesus declared you'll have tribulation. We know he, Jesus also said that affliction and persecution is coming for the name and for the word's sake, Right? And many more things that are said about that. Paul said those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, right? So why are you thinking it's strange when a fire trial comes your way? But if the devil could get you thinking that it's strange and get you to thinking that this shouldn't be happening to you and get your mind on the problem more than on the deliverance, then he'll hold you in bondage. But he said, think it not strange when fire trials come your way, but rejoice, rejoice. Now, the person that's going to be rejoicing is the person that's got a right mental attitude. It's going to be the one who has his thinking on right. I'm going to show you why. Let's read this first. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, underline that, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Stop there just for a second. Since we're here, let's just talk about for a moment Christ's sufferings. A partaker of Christ's sufferings. Your tr the trying of your faith or the trial upon your life that he's talking about. Maybe you're partaking of Christ's sufferings. We need to define and expose to the body of Christ what 
sufferings this includes. Now, if you'll talk to 99% of the church, they'll say it includes sickness and disease. Well, I'm sorry, but they're wrong. Suffering, sickness and disease is not included in, the part of, in our part of suffering for Christ. If you'll read this, I'll show you. Again, he says in verse 15, But let none of you suffer as a what? As a what? Or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a what? Underline that. In other men's matters. Now, are you ready for this one? Some of us are suffering trials, tribulations, persecutions, sufferings, sufferings, sufferings because we're busybodies in other men's affairs. Some as a thief. Some as a murderer. Not with a knife, but with a tongue. And those kind of sufferings Troubles and tribulations and all kinds of sorts of calamity coming your way because of that is not suffering for Christ. Are you hearing me? I said there have been many, 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 many that have walked and turned their back upon the Lord, not taking heed as to what he said about walking in love, and have stabbed their brother and sister in the back with their tongue. And they opened up the door to the devil and calamity came their way and they said, I'm just suffering for Jesus. My friend, you're not suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you haven't kept your tongue under control. Now, there's proper suffering and there's improper suffering. You need to know this right now. You need to know where your suffering is coming from and why, what was the cause of your suffering. If you are suffering sickness and disease in your body because a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but a perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit... There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If you're suffering disease in your body because we have stepped out of love, then you need, you need to know right now that your problem is not getting uh, hands laid on you, but your problem is getting on your knees before God and repenting and asking your brother or sister to forgive you and watching your tongue. That's why I said you need to know, know the source of your tribulation or your suffering, whatever is the cause of it. See, genuine suffering for Jesus we're going to mention right here in a minute. But there are believers that fall under this category. They're suffering not as a Christian. They're suffering because of these things. As an evildoer, as a busybody, as a thief. Getting involved in other men's and women's affairs. Not watching their tongue. And I can go on and on and on and on about many of these things, but that's why tribulation and troubles come their way. Even in the, in the world of business, in their business affairs, they're suffering trouble and calamity and destruction and ruin because they've not learned to control the words of their mouth. And let me go as far as to say this. There are some in the area of business, and in the area of business you can, you can do this. Some of them, and trying to get away with it, they're getting into the area of not giving the customer all that they should get. I'm talking about Christians too. And trying to pull one over their eyes to benefit themselves in their own business. You know that giving is the only way you're going to receive? If you're going to have a good business, you're going to be a good giver. You're going to be fair and you're going to be just with the people. With other companies and everything. You're going to be just with everybody. But because, you know, they try to use the techniques of the world system 
and to get gain. And if you stop and think about it, here's a guy down the block and he's got a business and he's just flourishing. And you know he's doing everything crooked in the book. Here you are a Christian and you, you don't want to do those things. And you say, I don't understand it. He's living crooked. He's flourishing. I'm over here. I'm living for Jesus. I don't understand it. Something's wrong. What's going on? Well, some people get upset about that. And they go off and they try to live like the guy down the street. Or they try to use his technique. Or they try to shortchange people. If you're a Christian businessman or woman, let me say something to you. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. The Father God has many, 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 many ways of making you prosper. And if you'll walk in the way of the righteous man, he'll see to it that it comes your way. So you see, there are many reasons. I can go on and on and give you all kinds of reasons, but there are many reasons that some believers don't even know of why calamity or trouble has come their way. Some had death come their way and they didn't understand it. They didn't know why. But if you'll go back and, and find out, you'll see that some of them spoke death to their own people, to their own family. Some way back, years gone by, just through the many, many, many years, just began to speak about death inside the family. Death to their children. To the loved ones. All they talk about is destruction. And then about 30 years later, something happens, exactly what they said. See, didn't I tell you? That's how they do. Trouble comes. Calamity comes. Destruction comes. They don't understand it. Well, lack of knowledge is not going to stop the law of God from working. The law of faith or God's principles. Now, also, let's go to... Hold this thought and go back to 1 Peter. Let's categorize some of the suffering before we go any further. Let's categorize what the Christian is to suffer and what the Christian is not to suffer. Because when you know what you are to suffer and you know when it comes your way, you can, then you can rejoice. If you know what the Christian or the believer is supposed to suffer for the name of Jesus and for the Word's sake, and you know that when it comes your way and comes upon you, then you know that you can rejoice and have deliverance from it. But you see, when something comes upon you and you don't have any idea where it came from or why it came or what's going on, or am I living in sin, am I doing this wrong? And you hear people talk all the time like that. They don't know why all this problem, these problems are coming their way. Well, then you can, you know, be pretty sure that they don't understand what the Word of God teaches about suffering. So let's take a look at 1 Peter 1, 6. Just list this down as being partaking of Christ's sufferings. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Number one, the believer must suffer temptation, will suffer temptation. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, first of all, we are to suffer temptation and will suffer temptation. That temptation, not only 1 Peter 1, 6, but you can write down 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation that's come at us that the Father will not make a way out or that the devil can put on us that's above what we're able to find a way out of. So, temptation is what you're to suffer. But temptation will not only come from the devil, write this down, Satan... You know, over there in Matthew 4, where Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of who? Say it loud with me. Who's the tempter? The devil is, number two, by man. Remember we said about man? Watch about man, men. Remember over there in the 19th chapter of the book of Matthew, 
when it talked about the Pharisees came to Jesus, speaking to him concerning marriage and divorce, tempting him. Who was tempting him? You know that your beloved brothers and sisters in Christ can almost tempt you to get off your faith if you listen to them. You walk away and say, I'm healed. And they walk up and say, well, you don't look like it. Are you sure? Amen? Well, I tell you what. I mean, I could see being in perils by your adversary. But, but those that are like precious faith, they shouldn't do that to us. Amen? So there's temptation that comes from man. Also. And you're close by. Go back to the book of Hebrews, the second chapter. Let's see something else here. I'll show you by the word of God you're to suffer temptation. And you need to know this if you are suffering temptation. Temptation comes from the devil. Temptation will come from man. Verse 18, second chapter, verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. See, you're partaking of Christ's sufferings. He suffered being tempted. Listen, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And the word succor there means to aid, to relieve, or to help. Oh, I like that. He's able to aid, to relieve, and to help those that are tempted. So, a part of Christ's suffering, here we have temptation. Now, a lot of people say that the Lord's tempted me in testing and trying my faith. But James 1.13 said, Let no man say when he is tempted, tested, or tried. Say he's tempted, tested, or tried of God. Why in the world can't we see that? The Father is not the one that's doing the tempting, the testing, or the trying of your faith. It is the devil and it's, the ma it's man that's tempting you. But it says right here that Jesus is able to help, aid, and relieve them that are tempted. Is that what it said? So temptation, number one. Number two, you'll suffer false accusation. Being falsely accused. You remember over there, Jesus was falsely accused as being a blas blasphemer, speaking blasphemies, remember? And also, many other things, he was accused of being a sinner, he was accused of being not of God, he was accused of many other things we can go on, but I don't have time to get into all that. But the believer in Acts, the sixth chapter, verse 13, you have to turn to it, remember Stephen was accused of being, speaking blasphemy, and then they stoned him to death? He was accused wrongfully of, being, of, of speaking blasphemy? He suffered the same thing, false accusation. Thirdly, the believer will suffer persecution. Acts, the 8th chapter, tells us that the church was scattered abroad because of persecution. Right? Persecution. Because of persecution, the church was scattered abroad. Over there in 2 Timothy, the 3rd chapter, verse 12, Paul said, all those that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. Persecution. So the believer will suffer persecution. I just want you to write these down. I don't have time to get into all of them. Number one, persecution, shame. Acts 5 and 41. When the apostles, after they were uh, whipped and cast out and beaten and so on and so forth, they went away from the adversary and they said, we count, we, we, they praised the Lord and magnified the Lord and told the, the, their, their uh, fellow believers that they thought it was, they counted themselves worthy to suffer shame for His name. Suffer shame. Suffer shame. See? Rejoice and be glad in that you're a partaker of Christ's sufferings. Not sickness and disease. They suffered shame for His name. Are you ready for this one? You talk about trials. You talk about trouble. You talk about persecution. They got you by the neck. 
They got you overnight. They got you in the jailhouse. They're taking you out of the jailhouse. They whip you on your back because they can't get anything to, to really hold you to kill you. Legally. So they whip you on your back. They run away shouting as loud as they could. Glory! Being counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Anybody suffer shame today, they get upset about it. But they count themselves worthy to suffer shame. See, these things are going to come upon you for the name of Jesus. There's more. Let me run through them. Adversity, Hebrews 13, 3. It says you will suffer adversity. Another one, being mobbed, Acts 21, 30. And 31. Another one, being stoned, possibly. Not as much in this country as it is in other countries. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five, And Acts 7, where um, Stephen was stoned. Reproaches, 1 Timothy 4, 10. You'll suffer reproach. Perils in the city. Perils among false brethren. 2 Corinthians 11.26 Being arrested. They kept running to the front of the line wanting to be the first one arrested for Jesus. Yeah. Right mental attitude. Right mental attitude. They weren't upset about it. They started to shout glory. And you know what the Father God will do for you in that? that? Just what He did for Paul and Silas in prison. He'll get you set free. They had a right mental attitude. They didn't complain about it. They counted themselves again worthy to suffer even imprisonment for His name. Okay, they were arrested in Acts 16.37. They were jailed in Acts 16.23. They were scourged in Acts 16.23. They had stripes upon their backs in Acts 16.23. Also, tribulation. 1 Thessalonians 3.4. You will suffer tribulation. 2 Timothy 2.9. Just write these down. You will suffer trouble as an evil doer. I only gave you a few of the things you are to suffer as a Christian. Peter also said in verse 16, 1 Peter 4, 16, he said, you'll suffer as a Christian. Suffer as a Christian. Now, you see, nowhere will you find it mentioned in the Word of God that you are to suffer sickness and disease for Jesus. You'll not find that listed. But everywhere you'll find that you're to suffer all these other things as a Christian, as being a Christian. But if you suffer as an evildoer, if your calamity came upon you because of the fact you've done wrong, let me hear what I'm saying now. If you are suffering because of disobedience, you may not get your miracle when you need it. I have found to be true in my own personal life that every time I had something come on me, trouble or sickness or disease attack me, that I was directly responsible for, it took a lot of work to get out from underneath it. A lot of getting back into God's Word. Hear me now. I don't care who you are. You can run yourself down. You can run your body down if you want to. You can overwork yourself if you want to. And if you overwork your body and you misuse and abuse your body and you just go off and do things that you know you shouldn't be doing and you neglect the ministry of the Word in your own personal life and your prayer life and your meditation and your fellowship with the Father and you get yourself attacked with sickness and disease, you may be on your back for a while. The law of sowing and reaping, beloved, obedience is better than sacrifice. I have found that it's harder for you to get your healing supernaturally when you do that sort of thing, than it is if you were walking in the light of His Word and love and fellowshipping with Him and you got attacked by the devil. You see, just, just attack you. You can get rid of it sometimes just like that. Most of the time, just like that. But when it's through lack of 
obedience, not being obedient to God's Word, not diligently studying His Word, and these things come upon you, you may have to suffer some of these things out. And I'll tell you what, some of these things are not good to suffer out, and you're not going to enjoy suffering them out. If you get yourself into a financial bind because you misuse your finances over a period of time when you had the knowledge that you shouldn't have done that, you may find yourself under the heat for a while before you get out from underneath it. Amen. Did you hear me? You know, when you talk like this, a lot of people don't want to hear it. But the Spirit of God said to me, I want you to preach the other side. And so you're going to hear the other side for a while. The life of faith is not what some people think it's set up to be. One of peaches and cream. All you've got to do is just wake up in the morning. Forget your Bible. Just say, I can have what I say. Hallelujah. Mark 11, 23 and 24. See? And just live like that. That's their idea of, of the life of faith. That's not it. That's not the life of faith. We have got to obey and abide in the Word of God. We've got to obey His Word. We've got to keep His statutes and commandments and do His judgments. We've got to walk in love and walk in the power of that name. We've got to obey. If not, we're going to suffer these things, beloved. And many, 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 many have fallen by the wayside even unto death because they have not been obedient to what God's will was for their life and what God's plan was for their life. And while I'm on that area of finances, because this is one that He wants me to get a hold of, We have got to learn God's laws of prosperity. We have got to learn as individuals, as families, what the will of the Father is for us in the area of our finances. We've got to learn how to listen to the voice of God in this area so we, He can bless us wherever we're at. Because the price of being out of the will of the Father is expensive. It may cost you a lot of money someday. I know. Believe me. And I know you're going to learn the same way. And I just... Praise God, we could learn by each other's experiences and stop some of you from making mistakes. But we're to trust the Father with our finances as we learn how to use His will and His laws that pertain to finances. Now, in the area of right mental thinking, let's just close with one scripture here. James, the first chapter. I hurried through them real quick. I wanted to get them... In your notes, you can follow them, find them in the Bible for yourself. You could write them down on your notepad somewhere and look them up. But uh, I gave you them so that you can study them and find out what the person is to suffer. It'll help you out in the area of right, having a right mental attitude. In other words, your way of thinking will be right. See, you'll know that if sickness and disease has come your way, you'll know that, look, this is not what I'm supposed to suffer as a Christian. I'm not supposed to. Look, I'm not supposed to suffer poverty as a Christian. I know that because it's not part of Christ's sufferings it's for my life. I'm not to, I'm not to uh, you see, I'm not to suffer that as a Christian. Something's wrong. As a matter of fact, if you'll stay close to, to the Word of God, you'll find out that every time something goes wrong in your life and you have a problem in your life, you can find out by going to God's Word where the answer is and where you've missed it and how to avoid that problem the next time around. If you're quick to listen to what God's saying to you, you can learn what to do the next time or to avoid it or to get yourself out of that trouble before it comes. But in James, the first chapter, he tells us something I think we should emphasize and express at this time. In the 21st verse, there was a problem here with these believers that he was writing to concerning troubles, afflictions, persecutions, and sufferings. 
temptations and testings and tryings of their life. There was a problem with these, with these believers. They didn't know where it was coming from. They were like a lot of the church today. Some of them were saying, well, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He gave me my business, now He took it from me. See, that's not the will of God. That's wrong mental attitude. That's wrong thinking. That kind of wrong thinking will get you destroyed. That kind of thinking will get your business taken out from underneath your feet and turn it over to the hands of the enemy. But he said in the 21st verse, which I want to emphasize, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Lay apart or separate yourself from all filthiness and overflowing of naughtiness. And receive the engrafted word which is able to... Stop right there. That word engrafted means implanted. Receive the word implanted into your heart which is able to... And the word save means deliver. Sozo. It means to deliver. To deliver you. Or to deliver yourselves. You receive the Word, the engrafted Word, which is able to deliver yourself from your... And the word souls there is, in a better translation, corrupt reasoning faculties. Write that down. Receive with meekness the engrafted Word. Meekness is your attitude towards the Father and His Word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to deliver yourselves from your corrupt reasoning faculties. From your corrupt reasoning faculties. Your corrupt reasoning faculties. Now, man's natural mind needs to be renewed. And your mind, this way of thinking, thinking that the Father God is causing your business to go bad. Thinking that the Father God has caused sickness to come upon your family. Thinking that He's not there to help you when you have a need. Thinking that maybe He's tempting, testing, or trying your faith to build you up and to make you stronger. Thinking that the Father wanted this to happen just to teach you a lesson that you don't even know what that lesson is. Thinking all these things. They were thinking that all their temptations and testings and tryings and all these things were coming from God. Because they, he, James said there in the 13th verse, Let no man say that these things are coming from God. Let no man say. No man. Let no man say that. Verse 16, he said, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Or do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Verse 17, he said, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Do not err. Do not make the mistake of. But get yourselves to be full of the Word. Get the Word in your heart. Implant it into your heart. And get yourselves delivered from your corrupt mental reasoning faculties that's thinking those things. I'd love to preach this message right here into every church in this valley. I would love to get people whose minds are flooded with sense knowledge, mental ascent, filled up with the thoughts that God is the, is the root of all their problems. One man on a radio said, speaking on a Christian broadcasting radio, said, I'll tell you what your problem is, Christian. God is. He's the source behind all your problems. Christian minister. If God is, let's die. Go on and be home with the Lord. Right? If the Father is the cause of all my problems, I must just go off and be with Him. 
You want to have problems down here? Just go up and die. Be with the Lord. I can't fight God, can you? I can't stand against God, can you? You strong enough to do that? I'm not. But you see, beloved, that kind of thinking is going to get people into trouble. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, wrong speaking is going to get us in a lot of trouble. So the psalmist was saying, My mind, my head must be lifted up. Therefore will I rejoice. I got my thinking on straight. Jehovah is not my adversary. Jehovah is my light. Jehovah has not brought this confusion and darkness before my face. It's the devil that's brought it. He is my wisdom. Jehovah is not the one putting me in bondage, for Jehovah is my deliverer. Jehovah has not made me weak. I'm about to fall underneath my enemy. No, but Jehovah is the strength of my life. Blessed be God, my heart will not fear, although it seems like all these things around me are about to destroy me. It seems like I'm about to lose my business. It seems like your child's about to die with some incurable disease. And it seems like all these things are about ready to destroy your life. But I will not fear because Jehovah is on my side. In this will I be confident. I am totally confident that as I call upon Him who is all these things to me, He will hear my voice and answer my prayer. My thinking now is on straight. I have girded up the loins of my mind. My mind is renewed by the Word of God. It's the devil that's my adversary. It's he's the culprit that's behind all this. He's the one that's trying to steal my business. He's the one that's trying to steal my kids. He's the one that's trying to destroy my health. My thinking's on straight. Every good gift is from above. Every perfect gift comes from my Father God. Hallelujah. Now that my thinking is on straight, I will fulfill what he said in Matthew 5, 12. When tribulation comes for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. First Peter, turn there one more time. We'll get rid of this scripture and glory be to God. We'll close it here. I don't know about you, but we're just getting started here. We need to get these things out. We need to get our mental faculties straightened out. Amen? Renewed by the Word of God. And beloved, I'm saying it again. It's, you're not going to get it renewed sitting here. All you're going to get is head knowledge. It'll affect your heart. It's going to get you stirred up. It'll inspire you. It'll give you knowledge. But that knowledge must be acted upon. It must be into your heart. And when it slips down into your heart, it becomes heart faith. Then it becomes mind renewal. And then when the mind is renewed and it stands together with your spirit, glory be to God. Look out, devil. Amen. See, your head's already lifted up above your enemy. He's still around you, but your head's being lifted up right now. See, some of you came with your head down, but blessed be God, your head's lifted up. Look what he said here again. Let's start with verse 12 again. Uh, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is the trial you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Yeah, glory be to God, that persecution, that affliction, this, that, all these things that are truly Christ's sufferings, I could shout and rejoice and be glad if that's what they're coming at, if, if that's what they are. If they are sufferings through disobedience, I must repent. Or neglecting the Word of God. It's all, I said, any form of disobedience. Neglecting His Word, neglecting prayer. All these things are disobedience. Amen? Walking out of love, all that's disobedience. If it's coming at me because of neglect to my body, all these things, these are disobedience. I'm not to suffer that way. If I'm suffering that way, then it's up to me to get myself back in line with His Word. You follow me? I must stay under His pavilion. But if it's truly the adversary... If it's truly the enemy, and he's doing all these things to me, don't even think it's strange. He said over here, Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are, are ye, for 
the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Now, what he's saying is this, and what the psalmist was saying. I don't believe in the sense that we can say it because Jesus was not risen from the dead at that time. That if it's truly trouble and adversity and calamity that's coming out to get me, not because of my disobedience, not because of my walking out of fellowship with the Father, but I'm walking in, in the secret place of the Most High. I am dwelling in His love. I'm walking in love towards my brother and sister. And beloved, if you're not, you better get yourself there right now. Because it doesn't take you two seconds to get back into fellowship with the Father God. Repent and walk in love towards your brothers and sisters. But if truly, if He's trying to destroy your work, if He's just trying to destroy the works of your hands, if He's trying to pull you down, if He's got all this heaviness over, over top of you, a blanket of oppression, if He's got you to a place you don't know which way to turn, you don't know which way to go, you meditate those first five steps. When you get down to that fifth step, and then you look to that sixth step, your head will be so sky high. Now, I'm talking about meditation. Getting this into your heart, not just up here. Getting it down into your heart to where you could start to just sit back and say, Yes, He is my provider. Yes, He is my healer. Yes, He is my deliverer. Yes, He is my light. Yes, He is my salvation. Yes, He will help me in the time of trouble. Yes, I don't care if the earth be removed from me. His everlasting arms are underneath me. Well, that's coming out of your heart. When that is just bubbling up within, a, you're going to shout a voice of triumph. You are going to shout a battle cry. You're going to look. The, you might shout it. You, I think you'll shout it. I do think you'll shout it. I mean, you just may just shout. You may, you know, everybody in the whole. If you're living in an apartment complex, they just might just 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 wonder what ha what happened. You know, a tornado or something. But blessed be God, you'll be down there shouting. Everybody, you may just. I did it one time in McDonald's. Glory be to God. I was walking through. I did. Oh, I mean, to tell you something, I, I got, I, it seemed like this thing was following me all around. You know, the devil wants to get everybody. And I was just meditating the Word. Meditating the Word. And just thinking about the Word. I wasn't thinking about where it was going. Just thinking about the Word. Thinking about the Word. Meditating on the Word. And all of a sudden, I got inside that door and I saw it inside my spirit. When you see it inside here, beloved, you can't avoid it. Sometimes you can't avoid it. I mean, I know you cannot yield to it if you don't want to, but I wanted to. I didn't care who was looking at me. I just jumped up in the air and said, Glory to God, that's it. Kick my heel up, man. That was it. I saw it. You know what I'm talking about? I saw it here. Not up here. Now, you know, we, you can hear all of what I said tonight up here. And most of you did. But when you see it here, oh, that's where the battle's won. When you see it here, you let out a battle cry. It may be shouting glory to you, but to the devil, it's a battle cry. It's a voice of triumph. And I mean to tell you, that's when he packs his bags and gets to going. I mean to tell you, that's when he just gets off because he doesn't want to hear none of that fanaticism. No. He don't want to hear somebody shouting for Jesus. No. This scripture said that the spirit of glory will rest upon you. And what he said, go back and look at this same, same scripture. First Peter, First Peter 1, 6. You ready? You ready to shout? You getting there now? Your head lifted up? He's the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, and the lifter of my head. Someone said, I tried that when I was in trouble and it didn't work. Yeah, I know, because you had it all in your head. Right? Yeah, you mentally ascended to it. Somebody said to me, I took those steps that you said over there. I, I followed those, same, those steps that you did over there and I didn't get anything. You know what I said? I did it and got it. Hallelujah. Because you see, you've got to get into your heart, not in your head. You just did it just to do it. The Word knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. If you just did it for, for some reason that was not the right reason, just to try it, it's not going to work for you. But you've got to know these things, beloved. And when you know these things, it'll just get inside your heart. To, oh, to go, you just begin to shout. 
glory and the glory of the Lord rest upon you. He said that thou art the glory and the lifter of my head. Look at what he said here. Verse 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. I'm rejoicing because the trial of my faith is much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Yeah? He said, when you go through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and glory. An honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see Him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of the glory of God. That's what He said there. That's what He meant back there. He would be the glory and the lifter of your head. And when that glory just boils up inside your spirit, it's unspeakable, it's full of glory, it comes out as a battle cry. It puts the enemy to flight. Amen. He doesn't know which way to turn. He knows which way to go. He come at you one way, he flees in seven. That's right. That's what the Word says. Now, which one do you want to be? You want to sit back and say, I'm just suffering for Jesus. One of these days in the sweet by and by, I'll lift up my head in the sky and get a piece of the pie. Is that what you want to do? Or do you want to sit back in the midst of all that calamity and trouble? In the midst of all that chaos and persecution and affliction? And when it seems like the devil's got your number, and it seems like you're under all that heaviness and you're ready to fall, sit back and just relax. Rest upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Rest in Him in quietness and peace and assurance. Be still before the, before the voice of the Spirit of the living God. And hear Him whisper into your ear and say, Thou art the Beloved One. Yes, Thou art the Beloved of the Father. And it is a delight of the Father to give unto you His kingdom. For He's blessed you with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is yours. And it pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. And not only did He give you of His kingdom, but He made you a partaker of His own nature. You are His kin. And you can hear Him whisper. You can hear the Spirit of God whisper. In the midst of all the calamity, in the midst of all the confusion, you should never act. You should sit back and listen. Listen to the still, small voice of your Spirit as He whispers the Word in your ear. Something on the inside will begin to rise up from within. It'll begin to be, it'll be activated. Some force, some strength, some power. The creative power of God will begin to flow out from your spirit. It'll grab a hold of your head. It'll lift it up high. It'll cause you to stand against the face of the enemy and declare that I stand in the name of Jesus. I look you in the eye in the name of Jesus. And as you stand there fully clothed and arrayed in the glory of God, from that, see that joy that rises up inside you? The enemy cannot withstand the glory. 
can't withstand it. He'll, resi he'll resist them and he'll flee from you in Jesus' name. But did you notice that all these things took place in the midst of all the trouble? Did you notice that? Well, beloved, I don't got time to give you... If I had time to give you all this, I'd like to discuss some of these things in greater depth. I would like to take every point that I was bringing out to you this evening and discuss it in greater depth so that we could get... The Spirit of God said this to me. My people need to be taught. They need to be taught. They've got to know the adversary. They've got to know man. They've got to know the Holy Spirit. They've got to know my word. They've got to stop playing games with my word. Listen to me. How many times do we go over Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture up here? It's time to get the word down here. Get the word into our spirits. Become acquainted with the Father through the word. Let the word live big inside our spirits. Let the word just have its place in our heart. Let the written word unveil to us the living word and let the living word live in you. Blessed be God when you do that. He lives in us. And that word abides in us and we abide in Him. You know what He said, beloved? This is one of, one of, one of my favorite scriptures. One of my many favorite scriptures. And I love that walk in the fulfillment of it before I go home to be in glory with the Lord. You abide in me. My words abide in you. You, friend, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Amen. Amen. I like another translation. If you abide in me and my words have found their home in you, you just ask what you will and it will leap into being. Did you hear that? You ask what you will, it will, be, it will leap into being. Hallelujah. Well, let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.